This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Our scripture this morning is found in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. Luke chapter 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you grateful. uh, Grateful for this opportunity to gather together to worship your holy name. Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you have Uh, taken us out of our sin and our shame and saved us and made us yours that you've brought us into this family that is that is your church that is your body and what a privilege it is to be able to worship together with you on on this morning Lord help us not to take it lightly help us to be uh, truly thankful and truly grateful Lord as we know that you are faithful to work in us as we gather to worship as we gather to hear your word proclaimed as we gather to hear the truth proclaimed Lord, you are so very good, and we praise you for that fact this morning. Lord, we recognize that there are many in our body, in our congregation, who are struggling, uh, whether that's emotionally or physically, and in any number of ways, Lord, we know that this life uh, that is this in this fallen world is difficult, and it's often frustrating, often uh, confusing. So, Lord, we turn to you and ask for your help. We ask for your healing. Lord, we pray for Claudia Council, who we've heard is um, in the hospital this morning. We pray that you would heal her body. We pray for the Robbins family as their son is dealing with uh, severe effects from COVID. Lord, we pray for healing for those families and for those individuals. And God, we know that there are many more who continue to struggle. Even those outside of this body, we know that there are many who still continue to struggle with COVID and through um, many other effects of other things. Lord, there's so much pain and suffering in this world, and we pray that in the midst of that, that you would uh, shine light into those situations. Remind us as your people of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for uh, hope. We pray for joy through your Holy Spirit. We pray that in the midst of difficult situations that Uh, that we would be so filled as your people with joy and with hope and with the knowledge of the truth of of what awaits us in eternity and what you've already done for us in the here and now, that that truth would would be shown clearly to those around us who don't yet know you. 
Lord, we pray for gospel opportunities. We pray that we would be bold as your people to share the gospel with those in our community, with our friends and our family who don't know you. Lord, we have the good news of what Jesus has come to do. So, Lord, help us to not hide that light under a bushel or under a basket. Lord, help us to be bold in proclaiming it. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to gather and hear your word. We pray for Pastor Aaron as he preaches. We pray that his words would be those that you have planned for him to say and that your Holy Spirit would apply those to our hearts. Lord, we don't want to leave this place the same as we walked in, but we want to be challenged, we want to be grown, and we come in knowing that you are faithful to do that through the means that you have ordained, or through the means that you have set aside. So we pray these things and hope trusting and knowing that you are faithful to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, First Prez. It's a real blessing to be with you this morning, to be in the Gospel of Luke together and being ready to receive what the Lord has for us. As I was reflecting on the passage, I remember it was some 30 years ago, I was in high school. He was... Uh, we actually just graduated from high school, and there was a riot in L.A. Many of you may remember that riot. Rodney King asked an important question. He stood on in front of the cameras, and he asked this question, can we all just get along? Can we all just get along? Unfortunately, some 30 years later, our experience says no. You might ask, why? Why not? The biblical answer is we live in a fallen world, a broken world, a sinful world, a world in which we're sinned against, and even we're ashamed to admit it, we sin against others. Yet it's in the midst of this fallen world, this brokenness in which we live, that Jesus continues his sermon on the plain, as Luke refers to it. Jesus, if you remember, looks into the eyes of his disciples as he talks to them according to Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And as Jesus is preparing these 12 chosen men for the ministry, he looks at them and he says, love your enemies. I think about that and I think about one of the greatest stories of my lifetime of loving your enemy. It deals with the events that happened on October 2nd, 2006. Some of you may remember the events that took place in an Amish schoolhouse. A man by the name of Charles Robert killed five children and he injured five others. The Amish community did something that was astounding to us. It was the way they responded. See, in the midst of their grief over the shocking loss, the Amish community didn't cast blame. They didn't point fingers. They didn't even hold a press conference with attorneys by their sides. Instead, they reached out with grace and compassion towards the killer's family. Some of the details of that event read this way. The afternoon of the shooting... An Amish grandfather, one of the grandfathers to one of the girls who was killed, expressed forgiveness towards the killer, Charles Robert. That same day, Amish neighbors 
began to visit the Roberts family to comfort them in their sorrow and in their pain. Later that week, the Roberts family was invited to the funeral of one of the Amish girls who had been killed. In fact, when Charles Robert was being buried, the Amish mourners outnumbered the non-Amish at that funeral. Even later, it was discovered that the Amish community had donated money to the killer's widow and her three young children. Marie Roberts, Charles's wife, wrote an open letter to the Amish neighbors, thanking them for their forgiveness, their grace, and their mercy. She wrote these words, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. The gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. The truth of the matter is, years since that horrific event, the Amish community has grown even closer to Charles Roberts' family. They've adopted them as their own family. As we sit there and we listen to the details of this shocking event and the response of the Amish community, we say things like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could respond that way. I wish that, that somehow I had the mustard within myself to respond when somebody hurts me or my loved ones. But you know what, church? The point Jesus is making in our text is that if we are his disciples, we must respond that way. Not we should, not we might, we must. See, the reaction of God's children to persecution is exactly what Jesus is dealing with. As Jesus is preaching and teaching the new disciples about this new life in Christ, he's telling them of all the blessings. Last week, we focused on four. The recognizing of our own spiritual poverty. The blessing of hungering for righteousness. The blessing of weeping over sin. And the blessing of persecution. And it's right here as he talks about persecution that Jesus is making eye contact again with his disciples as he speaks to the crowd and he says very clearly, love your enemies. See, Jesus is calling his disciples to reflect this new life, this new kingdom ethic in their reactions, specifically how they act in love. See, everything that we're about to talk about falls under the canopy of love. Love is the central, centric aspect of what Jesus is preaching to his disciples. And we don't get the right of defining love any way we want. The Bible actually defines love for us. The Apostle Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians 13 as the greatest gift given to the church. And why is it given uh, this, this high mark as the greatest gift? 
Well, 1 John 4, 8 tells us why. Because God is love. And those who know God know love. So if we truly know God, we truly know love. And therefore, we're transformed by that love to be loving ourselves. And just so we don't miss the mark, the Apostle Paul defines love. He says love is being kind. Love is not rude or arrogant. Love is being patient. Love is not insisting on one's own way. Love is not being resentful. Love is bearing all things. Love is believing all things. Love is hoping the best in all things. And yes, love endures all things. When we think of the word love, we we think, even in the Christian context, of marriage. We think of the warm feelings of, of two have come together to, to share their vows and their lives together. And yes, that's a correct way to think about love. After all, a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But I would take you to the book of Hosea, where we see loving your enemy lived out as it shows us how Christ loves his adulterous wife, the church. See, this calling to love our enemies is to love those who sin against us physically, politically, religiously. We're called to love all of our enemies. Not the ones we choose, not the ones that have earned it, but all, all of our enemies. Christ's command to love our enemies is pictured a little later in Luke, in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. See, a man was robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, but those in his community, those in his own, his own ethnicity, passed by. But along comes a Samaritan, the man's enemy. And we're told something that the good Samaritan does. He pays out of his own pocket for a man who probably hated him, making sure that that man was cared for. Jesus testifies for us what love is in his own death. On a tree he did not deserve, yet he goes there for his enemies. And this is exactly what it should look like in us, his new creation. Children of God. That we should be defined under the canopy of love. We should look different than the world. We should be identified as people of love, of grace, of mercy, of gentleness, and kindness. These are words that should define every Christian, for they define our Savior. In fact, love should be the bookends of our lives, holding everything else together. That's exactly what Luke does in our text. He bookends everything he's saying with love. 
In verse 27, he mentions the fact that we're to love our enemies. You get all the way down to verse 35, and he repeats, love your enemies. All the other things that he tells us to do are canopied under love. So what are those things we are to do in relationship of biblical love for our enemy? According to verse 27, we're to do good to those who hate you. Don't miss that. It actually means that your actions should show love. The things you do should show love to those who hate you. The Apostle Peter explains this in 1 Peter 3.9 when he says, Don't repay evil with evil. Let your actions be good. Go out of your way and do good, not evil. Not just for your friends, but for your enemies. If that weren't enough, he says it's not just your actions, but your words. In verse 28a, he says, bless those who curse you. Bless. Use your words to bless, not curse. Show love by your very words. Well, how many of us, we can fake it till we make it. But the moment someone's not present, how wicked our lips can be. And Jesus says, this is unacceptable. We're to do good to those who hate you. We're to bless those who curse you. And notice verse 28 at the end, he says, in fact, we're to pray for those who abuse you. This idea of prayer is an issue of the heart. So not only your actions and not only your words, but your very heart should be consumed with your enemy. Good things for your enemy. Understand it's not just those who abuse you physically. It can also include a wicked boss or even a sly car salesman. But rather than curse, we're to bless. And when we're abused, we're to pray. See, praying is a matter of the heart. It's hard to hate someone you pray for. Try it sometime. Obviously, we need to be wise here. We wouldn't let someone to continually mistreat us. But by praying for them, we're protecting our own heart against hatred. And that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to. And if that weren't enough, he says in verse 29, turn your cheek. If they strike you, give them the other one to strike. It's unreal what Jesus is saying here. He's saying don't retaliate. Go with them the extra mile. Again, obviously, be wise. Get out of harm's way. But don't seek to strike back. Don't repay evil with evil. In verse 29 and 30, Jesus mentions the idea of giving to the one who takes, to the one who demands, give willingly to them. Could you just imagine for a moment what our households would be like if we just lived that way with our spouse? If our children just lived that way with their parents? If we gave to the one who takes? So here's the point. 
Jesus wants to make it very clear that we're never to return evil for evil, but we're to offer mercy, not malice. The Apostle Paul picks up on this in Romans 12 when he writes in verse 14 and following, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For so by doing, you heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why do I take the time to read that? To make sure that we hear that this is the command of God. This is the posture of the Christian ethic in the kingdom of God. Love. We need to be seeking peace with everyone. Exactly what Rodney King cried out. Why can't we all get along? Could you imagine if he said, why can't we all get along like them Christians? Could you imagine the impact? The truth is, we often carry hurting words like a knife, ready to cut those who cut us. And if we're absolutely honest, most of us are ready to carry a bazooka into a knife fight. We're ready to seek and destroy any enemy who comes our way. Think about the way you treat your spouse with your words. How you go on and on about all the things they do wrong and it just all flows. How much more hatred do you have for your enemy? But Jesus says, no, love your enemy. Do good, bless, pray, turn the other cheek, give. This is the command of Christ for those who would live in the kingdom of Christ. And Jesus summarizes this in verse 31 when he simply gives us the golden rule that many of us have heard from our grandmothers and even our mothers, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Jesus makes it very clear. The principle is simple. This is a good rule for all of life, isn't it? Do unto others as you wish them to do to you. It's a good rule for kids on the playground. It's a good rule for living with your spouse. It's even a good rule for merging in traffic. It's absolutely a good rule for our interactions with our enemies. Do unto others as you wish them to do to you. And church, I ask you, how would you want to be treated if you messed up? Which of us wouldn't want mercy and grace and forgiveness over affliction and justice and hatred? 
Which of us wouldn't prefer the love of God to the violence of man? Jesus offers a point. In verses 32 through 34, he says, What benefit, what reward, what credit will it be to your account if you're only kind to those who are kind to you? Nothing. If you're only nice to those who are nice to you, it's of no reward, it's of no consequence, it's of no importance. You're only giving what you get. And your life is driven by you. But our attitude should not be what we can get, but what we can give. That, after all, is the heart of gratitude. Because according to verse 35, our great reward is that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. We've been adopted into the king's family. We've been given a new identity. And by being given this new identity, we now live new ways, new lives. We're new creations. And understand, Jesus is the perfect king. He's not simply making rules, calling us to do things he would never do. No, Jesus himself lived this out. Remember Jesus on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. As they tortured him with nails in his hands. As they abused him and whipped him and mistreated him. As our sins took him to the place of death. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So when Jesus is calling us to this Christian ethic, Jesus is really calling us to himself. When Jesus is calling us to love, he's calling us to something he himself is living out. That's why verse 35 says, he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Church, don't miss that. While we were in the very act of sin, Jesus didn't wait till you got cleaned up to forgive you. He didn't wait till you, till you were doing nice things on, on his behalf to show you love. When you were in the very act of spiritual treason, he died for you. He's kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And if we have been adopted into his family, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to not be ordinary, but be extraordinary. We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit that now we are new creations. Now we have a new nature. Now we're empowered to love our enemies. So that we don't have to say, I wish I could live like that, but we can actually do it. That we can actually love our enemies. 
We can be marked by mercy, leaving the world scratching their heads and saying, what's with them? But true, there may be those in the world who act somewhat like this. At times they can hold their tongue and we're amazed. They can speak kind words in the face of evil. But understand this, they only do that occasionally because it's not their nature. And they only do this for personal gain. The reason they may do that is so they can get advanced by a boss they really don't like. A rude boss they hate. But yet they would never say a sharp word. They always respond kindly. But it's for personal gain. But the believer is different. They are driven by a grateful heart. They're always seeking to live out the love ethic of Christ for the honor of Christ who came and died for them. Church, understand, in 2006, when our Amish neighbors lived out what seemed impossible for us, we as Bible-believing Christians have been commanded to live out the same thing. So I ask you, who do you need to show love to? Who do you need to bless and not curse? Who do you need to do good to? Who do you need to be praying for? Who do you need to be walking the extra mile with? We all have those people because we live in a fallen world. We're surrounded by sinners, and surprise, we're one of them. We have enemies. The question is, who do we need to be showing love to? Who are they, and how must we react? Well, church, we need to react as grateful, forgiven people would react. With love. We need to do unto others as Christ has done unto us. Church, we cannot simply push passages like this aside, but we need to check our hearts. For those who are forgiven much must forgive much. Jesus said it in Luke 7 when he said a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other just 50. When neither could pay, Jesus canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he answered him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed me with feet with ornament. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. True Christians are marked by love. And church, if you struggle with loving your enemies, the solution is run to Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your sin 
Ask the Holy Spirit to show you your need of Jesus. And once you see it, you see your sin, you see your need, and you see your great wickedness, run to Christ. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his forgiveness. And then live your life in such a way that honors him by loving your enemies well. So what am I telling you to do? Preach the gospel to yourselves. Preach the gospel to yourselves. Preach the gospel to yourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we shut our Bibles, as we walk away from this text, Lord, I pray that we would not just be mere hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word. God, we all have enemies in our lives, and we pray that we would be lovers of our enemies. God, I pray that we would do good to those who seek to harm us. I pray that we would bless and not curse. I pray that we would pray for our abusers. I pray that we would turn the other cheek and be long-suffering and not retaliate. I pray that we would give to those that demand. And God, I pray that we would do this because so much has already been given to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the conviction and the enlightenment of our eyes and the empowerment to live out this kingdom ethic. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.